part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert, when this podcast talks about the books of his dark materials, it does so in the context of the most recent book. And when it talks about the television show on the BBC and HBO, it does so in the context of the most recent episode. You've been warned. You're listening to The Dust, a His Dark Materials podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Dust podcast. Double M, Matt Murdock here with you. We are talking about more music from episodes three and four of season three of His Dark Materials. So here's your spoiler warning. I will be describing events that happen in these episodes as I describe the music. Therefore, if you haven't seen those episodes, please wait until you have before you watch this video or listen to this podcast, whichever way that you're getting it. I am very excited to talk about some things. I talked about a lot of music in our regular podcast episode. This is an extra one. We'll all be talking about even more music. So if you're a person who doesn't like music discussion, this probably isn't going to be the episode for you. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with our coverage of episodes five and six next Thursday. Nonetheless, I have things to say before we get into the music that might be important to you and won't be spoilery. We have a contest going. We currently have only seven contestants in our contest. We need more. We're putting all of our contestants up on a big wheel, and we're going to spin the wheel, and whatever two names come up, will be our winners. So how do you enter and what are you going to win? That's a good question. The first thing that you want to know is what you're going to win. I have a His Dark Materials Funko Pop here. It is a Mrs. Coulter Funko Pop that you can win from our contest. We also have a His Dark Materials Funko Pop for Lee Scoresby. Who doesn't want a Lee Scoresby Funko Pop? Unless, of course, you already got one two years ago. Then I would understand. So that's what you can win. Now the question is, how do you win? It's pretty easy. All you got to do is send us some feedback. You can send us a three-word description of any of the episodes for Season 3. You can send us a what's worse scenario for an episode of Season 3 as H Tracy 084 Holly, one of our double L's, that's a loyal listener, uh, submitted one for our last episode where we covered episodes three and four. It was a really hard one to argue. You can also find all of those things that we argue in our what's worse scenarios where we have to argue opposite sides and then we let you vote uh, to really make the decision as to what's worse. Find those on our Twitter at the dust podcast the dust podcast on twitter that's one of the ways that you can submit feedback if you just have general thoughts about our episodes or the show's episodes then feel free to tweet them at us as well and we'll take just about anything like that podcast new podcast reviews after august 1st of 2022 are also included in the contest we would love it if you would leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcasts that allows you to leave a written review. Stars are nice. We love stars too, but we really do love written reviews because it lets you know what you really think of the podcast or at least in more detail. If you're just going to submit feedback or three words or stuff like that, 
We would love to hear from you, and you do so by tweeting at the Dust Podcast, as I mentioned before. You can also send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, or you can leave comments on our website at mattsaudioblog.com. How do you spell that? M-A-T-T-S audio blog, all strung together, dot com. Use that exact same spelling for our other two social media sites, Matt's audio blog will be searchable and findable on Hive Social and on Mastodon, although my server is different. It starts with a V or something like that. Uh, it's not the Mast2 server. There's like 14 billion servers on Mastodon. It's weird. Uh, but just search for Matt's audio blog and you can probably find me. Again, M-A-T-T-S audio blog is the way that you spell that. You can find our videos, by the way, and this is another way that you can leave feedback. You can comment on our videos on the Double P Media YouTube. You can find the Double P Media YouTube by going to youtube.com slash C slash the word double, the letter P, the word media. That's the same spelling for their website. And if you want to contact them on any of their socials, because Bubba and Catfish cover a whole lot of great shows that you're probably going to be interested in. Uh, but you can follow them on their socials at this spelling. The word double, the letters PHQ, that stands for Podcast Headquarters. So that works for Twitter, for Instagram, and for Hive Social. Don't know if they have a Mastodon or not. And you can also find that same spelling on Facebook to find their Facebook page, facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. That's enough of my rambling. We want you to enter the contest. We want you to win Lee. We want you to win Marissa Coulter. Why? Because otherwise, I got to give them to Holly as gifts. And I'm not sure that I want to do that. I'm just kidding. I love Holly. She's great. Uh, I I probably will get her her own Funko Pops on top of these uh, when I get a chance. At any rate, let's get into talking about more music, additional music to what I talked about in the prior podcast with Holly, where we both cried a lot over the events that happened in these episodes. Uh, this stuff is more and more music as, as Lauren's library is not only building new music, but it is also bringing back old music and using it in interesting ways. So let's get into it. Okay, none of these are great revelations or anything like that. I just want to make that perfectly clear. I just, there was so much new music and callbacks to old themes that I felt like I needed more time in the regular podcast and I didn't have it. So I'm just adding this as kind of an extension of what I would have said in the regular podcast, except now I have more time to do it. I'm going to cover four things two of which are brand new things that Lauren introduced in these episodes, and two things that he brought back from season two in these two episodes. And I want to start with a theme that on the new season three anthology, which came out right before the series started airing on HBO, this theme is called Lord Roke. Now there's a theme on that soundtrack that's called the Galavespians, but this one is different. It's specifically for Lord Roke. And it has a really neat harmony that implies being a spy. The funny thing is, is that when we heard it in episode four, 
here's an HBO Max timestamp for you. It's right around 9.31 of episode 4 HBO Max timestamp. So that may not line up with anything that you're watching unless you're there. But Lord Roke starts following Father Gomez as Mrs. Coulter is talking to McPhail. But the interesting thing here is that the harmony that is used in the anthology is what actually implies the spy thing. Yet here we are seeing Lord Roke be a spy as he's checking out what Father Gomez is up to. And there's a different harmony there. Nonetheless, there are a couple of key figures that identify it as part of the Lord Roke theme that he created in the anthology. And one of those things is this motif, this running line that really isn't part of the melody that Lorne created for the theme. It's kind of like an accompanying line, but it sounds like this. And that's what you predominantly hear as Lord Roke is following Father Gomez around. Essentially, he's spying, right? And one of the things that I thought that was really cool about the anthology version was the fact that the chords themselves implied spying because those chords and some of the chord tones that are used as part of those chords are things that we've begun to associate with, say, like the old BBC program Avengers or the, of course, famous James Bond movies. And that chord is called a sixth chord. And I'll talk more about it here. But primarily that line runs over these two chords. Those chords really work. A minor sixth chord really is what helps sell it. But not only that, the flatted sixth is also dominant. So that's introducing two different tones that aren't normally part of just the straight minor harmony. And it adds this kind of shiftiness to the feel. For instance, with the minor six chord, the first chord, you have the introduction of a six. That's why we call it a minor six chord. And that's what helps give it that flavor because there is the interval of a tritone within the chord itself as well. And I know I'm saying a whole lot of numbers and things that really you don't need to know. So you can ignore them. I'm just going to try to explain what they sound like. But I do need to give you these numbers just so I can frame it in my own head. In the second chord, in order to create that same kind of tritone effect, normally the chord in its own scale would have a major seventh. But instead, here it's got a flatted seventh. That's what creates a tritone effect there. And in both cases, tritones are symmetrical, so they tend to make us feel uncomfortable. But it also depends on the context in which they are used. And in this case, the tritones tend to make us feel shifty, which is what spies have to be a lot of the time, right? It's still an uncomfortable feeling. It's a feeling of shifty. But because we tend to root for, you know, quote, good guy spies... It doesn't seem as ominous or uncomfortable as if we just heard those notes by themselves. And I do hope that we do get those original Balfe chords at some point, maybe even by themselves. As we know, 
Mr. Balf likes to take just the harmony of a theme and use that separate from the melody. Or in this case, he's really just using the motive. He hasn't even really introduced the melody of the theme. So we might still hear the melody at some point in the future. I'm not going to play it now because we haven't heard it yet. So I don't know if he's going to use it or not. But I do hope that that harmony gets used at some point simply because I love the idea of using that kind of harmony to further distinguish the fact that Lord Roke, even though he's sitting on the council, what's he doing right now? He's essentially just being a spy. At any rate, we will keep an eye out for new versions of that theme harmonically or whether the melody gets added in or not. And we'll move on to the second new piece that I'm going to cover today from episodes three and four. While the last one I could have some fun with, this one's pretty serious, and it covers a moment that begins all of the torture for a lot of book faithful, and hopefully, well, not hopefully, I don't wish hurt on anybody, but but I guess I'm just hoping for the show's sake that new time viewers or people new to this story were just as affected by this as book readers were. And the theme that I'm talking about, once again, was placed in the Season 3 anthology. Not one that we're likely to hear too much of. Maybe in the next episode. We'll have to see after that. But the title is called The Boatman. And the place where this one occurs is also in Episode 4. The HBO timestamp is right around 51:59, right around the 52-minute mark. And it's right when Pan's sitting on the chair and he starts to run off. That's when we begin to hear it. Most of it occurs during the Boatman and Will's conversation as well. And it really just consists of harmony by itself, or at least the part that we heard. Now, in the anthology version, there are just chords and then there's this big string buildup in it. We did not get that part in the episode. Instead, we got a very quiet rendition of this. A piano was kind of leading the charge very high. And in that high register, it's really effective as being chilling. So I'll just play these chords the way they were played on the piano in the episode, and then we can talk about it just a little bit. So one of the things that's very interesting about this is the rhythm, because you have this da, da, da. And what that does is you have the one short note and then the transition to the new chord. And believe it or not, because of that, it creates this sense of not really call and response, but almost an inevitability. Just as the boatman explains to Will, you know, that he can't make water fly up into the air. So, too, Pan can't go on the boat. It's inevitable that this separation must happen. On top of that, 
the harmony is very much in minor and it actually it goes through several different kinds of what we call modulations or key changes to where you almost get a sense of disorientation which i think is very effective for this because we as an audience are disoriented in the fact that pan can't go along with lyra and using almost all minor chords there creates a sense of sadness and circling back to that disorientation there was a theme for lord boreal that balf used during seasons one and two which also went through a lot of modulations and i think one of the things that you come away from this lord boreal character is the fact that because he is so ambiguous and he hides the truth about a lot of what he's doing not just from the magisterium but from everybody else on the outside as well that his presence can be somewhat disorienting so there's a good parallel in the way that modulation especially just modulating between minor keys without any kind of setup for it can really work so the next thing that i want to talk about is something that we heard back in season two it's related to the knife and to will in some ways and this occurred during the sequence where they were reforging the knife and you can find it on the official soundtrack that came out for episodes three and four right after the episodes were released on hbo max it's under the title smithing and there's a couple themes in there but one of them we've already talked about a lot and that's yorick's theme York's theme appears in it. Obviously, York is helping Will to put the knife back together. But the one that I wanted to focus on was one that was part of the Season 2 anthology and part of the Season 2 official soundtrack. And it's not the theme for the knife itself. It's the theme for kind of acquiring the knife and it's really just a series of chords. The bass line climbs up while a little melody plays over the top and descends. And it sounds like this. One of the things that I always found interesting about this when it was applied in season two is the fact that... It was called, let's see, in the season two official soundtrack, it was called Oh Little Knife. And it actually was played when Will was struggling with Tulio to get the knife. And the reason why this little figure, this motif, this whatever you want to call it theme works is because of a couple of things. For one, as I kind of just mentioned a minute ago, the bass line is climbing up while the melody on the top, if you want to call it that, is descending down. So everything is contracting. Now, think of yourself in a room that seems fairly big at first, and then the walls start closing in on you. Makes you kind of nervous, right? It raises the tension. The same thing happens with us for music as well. And unless some of those notes on the top or on the bottom start to dwindle off then we start to feel more and more tense 
The other thing that makes this tense is that there's one note kind of clustered in the middle of that that stays the same for each and every single chord. So no matter what the harmony is telling us otherwise, that single note sometimes creates tension because it clashes with the other chord tones. And the note that is constant is actually the one that everything resolves to at the end. So that adds even more tension because you feel like you're skipping ahead to the end, but you're not there yet. So I just wanted to point that out. It's at right at about 43 minutes uh, on the HBO Max timestamp in episode three. And again, if you want to hear other versions of it, you can go back to episode four of season two, The Tower of the Angels, and cue in where Will and Tulio are struggling for the knife, and you'll hear it there. And once again, you can find it, any kind of knife reference in the Season 2 anthology track, and you can find it in the official soundtrack, the stuff that actually made it into the show for Season 2, under the title, Oh Little Knife. So the last theme that I want to talk about is, in fact, about Mary Malone. And I know that we discussed a little bit of about the theme for the place that she comes to and the being that she meets in the main podcast, but I want to focus on Mary herself because Mr. Balf created a theme for Mary in season two. And while I don't feel the show has paid very much attention to Mary Malone, I feel like Mr. Balf actually has because he's found multiple ways to represent her based on that season two theme. If you want to go back to the official soundtrack, for season two, find the track Study the Dark Matter and you will hear representations of Mary that are then presented in actually episodes two and four specifically. And what I mean by him representing her in multiple ways, there are cases where he represents her timbrally, meaning by the instruments that are played. If you go back and listen to that season two track, You'll hear bells in there. And you'll also hear that in the anthology cut for season two as well. I think that was called Play the Serpent. And the specific timbre that I'm talking about is the bells. It's kind of a bell or glockenspiel kind of sound. But he does really interesting things because sometimes he'll just use the instrument. And like a note that the instrument plays that's similar to the way those season two themes went but he'll put a whole different kind of music underneath it. But first, I just want to refresh your memory regarding what the original Mary Malone theme was. And that theme had two components to it itself. Again, Mr. Balf likes to have a duality, so he can use either part and still be representing Mary. One part was an arpeggiation of the chords, or the harmony, where... The notes are repeated over and over from the chords, but they're not actually played as chords. And then the melody, which is again in the bells, is played over the top. So the harmony sounds like this. And the melody over the top of it sounds like this. Keep in mind, once again, 
that that melody that's playing on top is represented by this glockenspiel or bell kind of sound. Very clear toned. What's fascinating is that you don't hear any parts of that together throughout the course of season three. You get allusions to one or the other, or sometimes again, just to the instruments, but it all represents Mary. Let's go back to the second episode where Mary is arriving on a Gunsways world and stumbles onto the camp. I think it might be right around, or maybe slightly before the nine minute mark in the episode. We get something that is very similar to the melody, but it's not exactly the same as the melody. It's represented timbrally. The harmony is there, but it also is altered in some places. So this is a way that Lauren can create a new world situation. It's first Mary's first time in a Gunsway's world, and he can still allude to her with the timbres and with just slight hints at the original harmony. But because this is a new adventure for Mary, he can put it in a new emotional context, meaning changing the harmony, meaning changing uh, just the melody just slightly. And it still does the same kind of climbing. It just does it from a different spot in the key. He alters the harmony in a way that it can actually work to set up her meeting the two girls. And it's not the exact same music at all, but there's enough representation there to show this is music for Mary as she's in a whole new situation. Love it. Now, the most interesting cut and the one that actually is most loosely representative of Mary is the one that we heard when she was leaving a gunway's world as she's trekking across the field after she said goodbye to the girls and I love this one because it's just the single bell notes on the top that really represent Mary and it's a whole new harmony there is this kind of movement underneath that emulates those arpeggiations that we heard in the original melody, but they're nothing like it in terms of what the actual notes are and how they fit in the chords and everything. They're more like an ostinato line rather than an arpeggiation. But when you hear those high notes and they're represented by bells, you know that Mr. Balf has taken the time to create this specifically for Mary without it being a representation of the Mary that we knew when we first heard the theme. A lot has changed for Mary, and it's changing again. She's moving on to a new place. The other thing that I love about it is just the implied major sound. We are encouraged by the fact that she is moving on from a Gunway's world, which seems pretty depressing, and she's headed towards a new place that we see later on in episode four, as being the home of these wonderful beings, beings who care enough to give her fruit, to give her food, to give her water. And this piece, which is played again as she's starting to leave a gumway's world, is used 
to set up her new discoveries. It's totally different, yet it completely reminds me of Mary Malone. I love it. That's going to do it this time around. Don't forget our contest. Just submit feedback and win a Lee or win a Marissa or Marisa or however the hell James McAvoy wants to say it this week. I don't know how to do that. Let's just call her Mrs. Coulter. And we want you to enter our contest or leave a written review wherever you you get your podcast if it, it's available to you to do so. We really appreciate it because that feeds the algorithm gods. Everybody needs their algorithm gods fed every once in a while. Although, you know, I don't know if we really want to feed the authority. Uh, but let's consider that uh, it's a new regime in heaven. Yeah. And there's gods and they use algorithms. And we need you to jumpstart the algorithms. Be sure to like and comment on the Facebook pages for Double P and also on the YouTubes for Double P. Again, youtube.com slash C slash the word double, the letter P, the word media. And here's Deborah to tell you everything else. Take care. We'll talk to you Thursday. You're listening to The Dust, a His Dark Materials podcast. Tweet the podcast at The Dust Podcast. Send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.